Jack Spirito with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, old man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is August the 1st, 2013, and this is episode 1177 of the Survival Podcast. And what does it mean that today is August 1st? Another month done coming gone, folks. Another month done coming gone. We're now in the eighth month of the year. We're way past, people talk about hump day, we're way past hump month. I guess June would be hump month where you come over the hump and down the other side. And that means tick, 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 tick. Time is marching on. You are on the sliding scale toward greater freedom or greater oppression. It's up to you. You can't change society as a whole, but you can live your life in greater individual and personal liberty. That's what we're all about here. So I ask you, have you been working for liberty in your own life this year? Because if you haven't been, the forces of society have been working to erode it from you. You don't get to choose whether you're on the sliding scale or not. You are. You just get to choose the direction that you're heading. I hope you're working for liberty. Today we're going to talk about a way you can do that in a way that I guess sometimes gets missed, and that is health. Many of you know that uh, several years ago I adopted a paleo lifestyle, and I don't think I'll be on the uh, cover of GQ magazine anytime soon. I went from a whopping 280, 290-ish pound individual down to about a 200-pound individual, where I'm quite healthy and happy and able to work my ass off now and probably won't have my heart explode at the age of 45. I've been very vocal that in all of the things that I've examined from a healthy lifestyle, the best thing in the world you can do for yourself to live in a paleo fashion. And today I have a young lady named Ashley who has been doing that for about four months now. She's had incredible results, and she's here to talk about something that it's impossible for me to do, and that is to talk about paleo living from a female perspective because, well, I'm not a female. And uh, a lot of women seem to have a little bit harder time getting started with paleo than men. What I found, though, is those that do generally, once they get into the lifestyle, have a better or an easier time sticking with it. Uh, we'll talk to Ashley about that, her results, and everything she's learned on this journey in just a bit. Before we do, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you by helping to make sure the show's here for you Monday through Friday, five days a week. Sponsor of the day, number one today, Western Botanicals. Hey, talk about health. The best thing you can do for your health in many instances is to avoid the excessive use of medications. You're going to even hear about that from our guests today. Um, but I'll tell you, one way you can avoid excessive use of medication is do gentle herbal things to uh, take care of small problems before they become big problems and often simply as a tonifying agent to help keep you healthy when you're already healthy. I look at your health a lot like a good knife owner looks at the edge of a knife. Yeah, you could bring me a dull knife and I'll make it sharp for you, but it's much easier to keep a knife sharp than to make a dull knife sharp. It's much easier to maintain health than to restore health. Herbs are a great part of that for me in my daily life. And when I need an herb that I don't either grow or have growing in the woods behind my house and I can't wildcraft or pull it out of the garden, I go to Western Botanicals and I say, do they have that? And you know what? They always do. It's always either organically grown or wildcrafted. And when I need an herb and I don't know what I need, I just know I need something, and I call them up on the phone, or more accurately, I usually get my wife to do it for me. They help us out. They're real people that really care about us, and they help us figure out what we need, including if you ever call them and you say, well, I need this, they may tell you at some point, that's not what we do. You need to talk to a doctor. They're honest people that really care about you at Western Botanicals. They also have an incredible program. It's fixed $50 a year for their preferred membership. Once you have it, you get 25% off everything they sell. If you use a lot of herbals a year, that program pays for itself, but it gets better. If you're a member of my uh, member support brigade, which many of you are, you get that $50 membership for free, which basically means their membership pays for your first year of MSB in full with one benefit. So they're a great supporter of the show as well, and they've been with us a very long time. Next up today is Backwoods Home Magazine, another company that I'm really excited to be working with because I've been reading them since I got out of the Army in 1993. And for some of you guys, I know you think it's a big deal when you meet You're like, man, I've been listening to you for five years, and I get to meet you, finally have a beer with you, whatever. It's like a big deal to you. I just look at myself as a guy with a microphone. But I feel the way you do um, when I get to shake hands with people like Dave Duffy, who I've been reading for over a decade 
who've brought immense amounts of knowledge to me. Jackie Clay, meeting her was just awesome. I can't tell you how much I've learned from Jackie, one of their writers over the years, interviewing Masada Yub, uh, who's been a writer for Backwoods Home for over 10 years. These are people that, you know, I gained a tremendous amount of the knowledge that I share with you guys every day from, and now I get to work with them as a sponsor of the show. That's awesome. That's why I try to bring you sponsors that I just not would do business with, but I have done business with and continue to do business with. Uh, check them out today, Backwoods Home Magazine. If you want a source of information on homesteading and self-reliance and self-sufficiency without a bunch of hippie bullcrap and with a libertarian flair, you will find it at BackwoodsHomeMagazine.com. They also have a special deal for you if you're a new subscriber and a member of the Member Support Brigade, so check your Members Brigade area before you join. On that note, hey, if you're not a Members Brigade member yet, please consider joining. You'll help support my show at 18.3 cents an episode, less than two dimes an episode. So when you get done with an episode, you think, that was worth 20 cents. Consider joining the show to support it, but you'll also get discounts like the two I just mentioned. And about 38 other vendors will give you discounts on everything from the tactical to the practical, from gardens to guns and everything in between. You'll get over $200 worth of free ebooks the day you sign up and some content that's not available anywhere else in the world. That's what the Members Brigade's all about. If you want to join, go to the survivalpodcast.com, click on Members. And uh, you'll get more details on that. Military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty and prior service, first responders like paramedics, EMTs, and firefighters. All of you qualify for a special discount of my membership program, which is already a great deal. Email me with service discount in the subject line. Put who you are and what you're doing or who you are and what you did. If you're prior service, do that in two or three sentences and uh, let me know what's up. And I will send you back a discount code. Do this before, not after you join the members program. With that, I do have everything wrapped up. I'm ready to introduce our special guest, Ashley. Ashley who? Ashley fill in the blank because she doesn't want us to give her last name, so we're not going to do that. But she is a full-time working mom with a bachelor's degree in nursing, pursuing a master's degree right now. She's also a nurse who hates, despises, and scorns the overuse of medication. She's the mother of two children of her own and the loving stepmother of a third. And she's here to talk to us today about living a, a paleo lifestyle from a female perspective. And with that, hey, Ashley, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, I've got you on to talk about paleo, and I think a lot of people that have been listening for a while know it's made a tremendous difference in my life. I basically say it's probably why my heart won't explode by the time I'm 45 years old. Um, but I haven't really had a lot of women with feedback on paleo. It seems to be you know a man thing, a caveman paleo thing. How did you come to you know the paleo lifestyle? Right. Well, um, let's see. In January, I had my second child, and I had been put on some pre-diabetic medication. And I went back to work, and I had signed up with Weight Watchers, and I had done, you know, the typical uh, woman diet where I restricted myself and exercised um, my little heart out. And then somebody at work, a coworker with me, said, you know, he, you know, he's pretty in pretty good shape. He's like, you know, you should try paleo. And I, you know, of course, got right on my phone and started Googling it. And the first thing that I came across was, you know, paleo and diabetes and all the studies that have um, been linked, you know, between the two. And I figured I'd give it a try. And I basically just started off, you know, with like a basic grocery list and things that I needed to cut out. And I did the 30-day, you know, no no uh, refined or no sugars and no artificial sweeteners and the 30-day challenge, and then after that, I just realized I really loved it, and I got tremendous results from it, and I've been pretty paleo since I've I've started. I've, I think I started in March, and it's now, you know, August. So you're looking at, like, a little over four months then. Can you talk about what that four months has been like, um, how quickly you saw results, and what results you had? Well, the biggest thing for me was I wanted to get my sugar in check. I didn't want to go back on the metformin. I'm not really somebody that likes to rely on medications. Um, so for me, you know, the hardest, or the hardest thing for me was cutting out breads and just everything that you get in your daily life, you know, that most people turn to and just finding different ways to, you know, find snacks, um, to keep me going. Um, Crap, I forgot what the question was that you asked me. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, you know, what what kind of, you know, results have you had since you've done this? I mean, oh, what okay. Have you... 
Um, so basically, when I went back um, after my baby was about three months, I had to go back and have my um, a glucose tolerance test done to see if my doctor wanted me to go back on my metformin. And I think because of the paleo and um, doing the whole 30, I um, he told me that my, my levels have never been better and I didn't have to go back on it. And then I come back, you know, another six months and we recheck it again. Um, I've lost 40 pounds. Um, that's significant have, four months. That's, that's 10 pounds a month. That's, that's probably right. as fast as you want to be losing weight anyway. Yeah, it's a little quick. I mean, they'd say normally like two pounds a week, but, um, you know, when you cut out all that extra refined carbs and all the simple carbs and everything like that, it just goes pretty quickly. And, you know, the amount of energy that I have now, I don't have to drink a couple of cups of coffee every day to get me through the day, you know, um, what what made you i mean you kind of talk about how you found it but what made you decide to give this a chance why you know it was it just seeing the results of other people did the science resonate i mean was it a way you thought would be great to eat anyway cuz a lot of people have different reasons for finally going you know what i'll try this or was it just i don't know what else to do so i'll try this well i think there's a couple reasons um i'm a nurse and i think that the science that was behind it really intrigued me it I read it and it just made sense it kind of clicked like yeah you know if you cut out all this stuff and you can you can actually you know eat higher quality foods you're going to get more results um and also just the fact that I did not want to go back on that medication at all I think was the biggest the science between the two was the biggest for me um the, that was linking the you know diabetes and uh paleo I think was one of the biggest deciding factors for me. So is this accurate to say that you you were pre-diabetic, they had you on medications for that, and if you went to the doctor now with without uh, that doctor knowing your history, they would just simply not see that as an issue anymore? Right. Uh, In four months. In yeah. four months with no drugs, simply by changing your diet. Correct. That's, that's you know, and I, the reason I kind of point that out and hammer that is, there's so many people in that pre-diabetic state that don't even know it. And I think one of the biggest killers directly and indirectly in society today, and you can probably back this up as a nurse, is type 2 diabetes. I mean, if you're born with a genetic problem or you're a type 1 diabetic, you've got that problem no matter what for the rest of your life. And I think paleo can even help those people. But type 2 diabetes is a killer, and it's a lifestyle disease, right? Oh, yeah, it's totally a lifestyle disease. It's, you know, something that we've created ourselves. And, you know, it's it's something that can easily be fixed if people are willing to put in the time and the effort, you know, to fix it. How, how did you get, like, when you got started, did you just, like, I mean, did you find Rob Wolf's book or somebody else's book and just go headlong into it? Did you did you wean onto it? Or, you know, what did, what did you do? Well, you know, I was I had already kind of been dieting. Um, beforehand, so I had kind of cut out, you know, all the basic things that people eat, you know, breads and stuff like that, and I was, you know, never really a, a huge junk food person, so that part was kind of easy for me. Um, I didn't really, like, read any books or anything. I did, you know, get on his, the Rob Wolf's uh, webpage, and um, I just kind of Googled information from reputable sites that I thought, you know, I could trust to give me, you know, good information. And I kind of just navigated my myself through it. I didn't, you know, focus too heavily on one source just because so many people do paleo so differently. Um, I And I didn't really, I guess, wean myself into it. I just cut out, I just went straight for it. I cut out all the dairy. I cut out, you know, the peanuts and the peanut butter, which was really difficult for me. Um, and I just started introducing, you know, the, the grass-fed beef and all of that stuff was a little bit harder for me to do just because, you know, it's, it's a little bit more difficult and a lot more expensive for me to find it. But, sure. um, you know. You know, and even even I at this point, I consider myself that I live about 90% paleo 90% of the time. Um, and with meats sometimes, I'm not always eating grass-fed meat. I'm not always eating the best meat I can get my hands on because – there is an expense there. I still think that I'm better off eating the best quality beef that I can afford versus 
uh, a bunch of rice and beans. Uh, and, oh. and certainly more uh, better off than eating a lot of soy and wheat. Oh, definitely. Um, I, I was really surprised at how many products, like commercial products, contain soy. I, I never really realized it until I started looking on the back of every single, you know, thing that I would buy, and everything has corn or soy in it. And that I think that's probably been the, the biggest thing for me is just realizing that all of our foods have all these sneaky little ingredients in it that we never really realize unless you're eating, you know, whole raw foods. Yeah, you know, I come up with what I call my simplified paleo thing, and I just like you to consider how well it would fit into what you're choosing to eat at this point. My simplified thing with paleo is I just started thinking about okay, what made men and women eat this way in the pre-agricultural society? And my thought was okay, well, they walked around and found whatever they could find to eat, and it would be most likely that they would try to eat things. And taste it and see, like, does this make – watch animals and see if animals would eat it. And if animals would eat it, they would taste a little bit of it. If they didn't get sick, they'd eat a little bit more. Did it taste good? Did it make them feel good? Did it make them feel bad? And, 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 and they would go from there. And when I started thinking about that, I'm like, well, what would happen if you went out and grabbed a big old handful of, uh, you know, wheat berries? And at the time, it would be some sort of grass seed and shoved it in your mouth. And the answer would be you wouldn't be real happy with the results. Uh, you'd choke on it. It would break your teeth. There's, wheat has to be processed. Even natural whole grain wheat has to go through a certain a grinding, a cooking, or something has to be done to it. You can't eat it in its natural state. And I know that we eat meat today cooked for health reasons and because it's delicious that way. But the reality is for a long time, human beings ate meat raw, and raw meat doesn't taste bad. We have a cultural... Uh, bias against it, what have you. Yet sushi is pretty popular in the United States, so sashimi, and there's things done with beef that are uncooked, and as long as the source is right, it's, it's safe. But you, my point is you can eat raw meat. And just about everything on the do eat or eat in moderation list for paleo falls in that category. If I picked it up in its raw state, you know, if it's a bird, I might have to yank the feathers off, or it's an animal, I might have to pull the hide off, but I could eat it in its naturally unadulterated state. Almost everything on the do not list, eat list is something I would have to in some way alter. Rice, um, most like green beans, yes. Dry beans, no. Does, does that make sense? And does that kind of jive with your food selections? Right. I mean, I'm totally go for the. I, I really try to stay away from anything packaged, even the paleo packaged foods. I really try to stay away from, um, and I just I just focus on meat and vegetables. Um, <clears throat> so when you um, when you went on this thing initially and, and first made the change, did you get results right away? Did it take a little while to adjust? Some people say, you know what, I did this for the first day. It was a little bit hard, and by the second, third day, I already felt great. My energy was up. The weight started falling off. And some people are like, you know, like for the first week or two while I was detoxing from all the other food, I felt like dog crap. And then it got better. Was it, you know, which way was more close to how things were for you? Um, I think because I typically tried to eat healthy to begin with, I was probably the first category of people. Like within a few days, I realized that my energy was like through the roof, and <clears throat> I wasn't really relying on, you know, the coffee and the energy drinks to get me through my twelve-hour shifts at work, and. <clears throat> I just, I think the energy was the biggest thing that I realized right away, and mm -hmm. then after that it was my skin, the the complexion, and um, just the way that my skin looked when I would look at it. Um, it was so much clearer and just bright. And then after that, I, of course, the weight loss came after that, which is always a plus. That, that's interesting that all of those things happen first, because I think that. You almost never hear of somebody, like you mentioned Weight Watchers. It goes on Weight Watchers or Slim Fast or Jenny Craig or anything that says, you know, the first week that I was on this diet, my skin complexion got better and my energy went up. Um, maybe if they're trying to sell us a diet pill, they might say something about energy. But in general, you don't hear about people having that type of a result first or maybe ever with these conventional caloric restriction diets. Right, and that just goes to show that, you know, um, the way that you eat really affects every every uh, mechanism in your body, the way that your body works as a whole. 
What do you think the biggest benefits for you have been other than weight loss as far as like now that you can look back over, you know, four months and say, okay, great, I lost 40 pounds. That's, that's got to feel great. I mean, uh, it took me about a year to lose about 80 pounds. Um, and that felt great. But is it just energy or would you just say that you feel differently? I mean, what is, what is the biggest benefit other than weight loss that you've experienced? Um, I would definitely say energy is a big a big factor, um, but I just feel I guess I don't know more clean as a person. Okay. Um, I know where my food is coming from. Um, I can grow I grow some of my own food, and I think when you you know when you change yourself like that, you just you feel different. And I think that that's you know one of one of the best feelings when you're responsible for what what you're putting into your body. Have you in the last four months ever had one of those days where you're just like, you know what, today I'm just going to eat what I want and I'm going to enjoy myself and eating something that was highly unpaleo, or have you just pretty much stuck to it? I tried really hard to stick to it. Um, I went on vacation and I did indulge in some chips and salsa because I love Mexican food um, and, of course, tequila. Um mm-hmm. Tequila's not bulletproof, though. You, you're <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the you know the resposado or whatever it is. I try to stick with it. I mean, the mixers and everything aren't, but you know, I really try to stick as as paleo as possible. And you know, um, I think vacations are one of the hardest things. And I haven't, I didn't have my, I haven't had a birthday or like a holiday season yet. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I made it through Fourth of July, but only because I had to work. I think, and you know, um. <laughs> the girls at work, they're always ordering all kinds of different foods and stuff. And it's just one of those things that's kind of difficult to stay away from when so many people are eating everything that you look at and say, oh, I should never touch that because it's all just, you know, mechanically made. There's a reason I ask that. It's, it, sound, it sounds to me like it's because of an experience you maybe haven't had yet. With corn chips, right, with salsa, I eat those on occasion. I try to get gluten-free organic ground corn chips to eat with sauce and pico that I generally make myself. And and I don't generally have any issues. Occasionally, I might make a big old hunk of steak and eat a corn tortilla. I try to stay away from flour. But on rare occasions, you know, and it's usually like you're saying, when you're traveling or on vacation, it's like, you know what, I'm eating whatever I want. And I'll go to, like, Cracker Barrel. And I'll throw down on, like, chicken fried steak with gravy and biscuits. And two things happen. One, even when I'm eating, I'm going... This ain't as good as I remember it. And that's pretty good stuff to be saying that about. But the next thing is, is the blowback. I don't get sick. I don't have gas problems or anything like that. I know some people with celiacs do or what have you. What I get is I feel overall just lethargic and like crap when I eat like that. And I try to talk to as many people that are doing this now as possible to see if they have the same experience and to try to figure out do I feel that bad because I'm not used to this food anymore, or is it more likely that that's how most people feel all the time and they have nothing to compare it to and they just don't know it? I would say that most people probably just don't know how good you can feel when you don't eat foods like that. Um, I mean, I did have like a maybe a similar experience. I I use margarine instead of butter, okay. you know, a couple times, and and you know, I don't, I don't, I guess when you after you reintroduce something like that into your diet that you haven't had in a long time because I had I haven't had it at all probably since I started paleo I I didn't feel the greatest you know you get tired and um I didn't I don't really have the issues with like the bloating and stuff like the people with you know celiacs do like you mentioned yeah. but I could definitely tell a difference just with the little things like the chips and salsa night. I could definitely tell a difference the next morning when I woke up and I had eaten all of those tortilla chips. And I'm like, this, you know, I don't know if I was disappointed in myself so it felt even worse or if it was just, you know, the feeling of of how you feel when you actually do eat all those foods. Yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of how I feel. I feel like kind of like, you know what, this must have been how I walked around. And maybe I didn't feel quite that bad, but... You know how like sometimes you hurt yourself and you have like an acute pain and while it's healing, it goes to a dull ache for a while where you can tolerate it, but it's there. And like if you walked around with that dull ache your entire life, you would eventually just assume that's how your body feels. And I think that like it took me like I did go through a detox when I went on like the first two weeks of it. I was a let's just be honest. I was an asshole. I mean, I was mad. I was sweaty. And I was like, 
basically I had problems with hypoglycemia my whole life. And I felt that way for about two weeks continuously. But I got to tell you, since I got off of the crap food, I have never felt that way ever again, except for little twinges of it when I'm a dumbass and I go out and I eat, you know, biscuits. Um, and, you know, that just speaks to, the, I think, the, the biochemical results of it that, you know, I've had this whole section of my life for decades where if I didn't eat at the right time of the day, I got irritable and sweaty and angry and I was a jerk to people and I had to go through it intensely for a couple of weeks, but that's just gone. That's just like not part of who I am anymore. And I don't think there is any medication that could ever do that. Yeah, I you know, I'm not a big fan of medicine to begin with, so I'm I would probably one hundred percent agree with that statement. Um, when you uh, w when you look back at this now, what are your biggest challenges with sticking to it other than people with crap food all around us? That that happens all the time. I mean, are there certain things you crave and if if so, are there certain snacks that you use to to cuz that's the biggest thing I get, you know, what do I do for snacks or or what have you? Yeah, um I would say every now and then I get a, you know, we have these chips and I live in Cincinnati, well, Cincinnati area, and we have Grippos. And um, they're like a really awesome barbecue-y, you know, potato chip that I haven't had since I started this. And sometimes I look at them in the vending machine and I'm like, oh, this would be so easy to do. But, I'm, you know, I'm worried about how I would feel afterwards. And, you know, so I do have cravings every now and then. Um, I was never really a big ice cream eater to begin with, but I have, you know, since been able to find a really good alternative with the coconut milk. I try not to indulge in that too much just because, you know, when you start letting yourself indulge in, like, paleo-approved foods, you know, then you kind of just, I think, I think I would just start reintroducing small, you know, non-paleo foods into my diet, and I, I don't really want to do that. But, um, so it's, you know, and definitely people's attitudes about it, I think, is pretty difficult, you know, um, to deal with a lot of people just don't understand and it's explaining it to them and then looking at you like you're nuts um yeah i had that with my brother-in-law this this weekend i did another binge we had my niece was in town and you know we're all going to get together at my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's place until you know just right before she had to go to the airport and go back to colorado and I ate a couple donuts, and I told my brother-in-law, I'm, I'm going to feel like crap this afternoon, and I just really couldn't explain it to him. He just couldn't get it like into his head that you would actually feel bad from eating something like that. And I was thinking, you know, if you just read the list of ingredients, I think you'd actually be shocked that anybody wouldn't feel bad from eating something like that. And, you know, I did. I did not feel – I came home and basically went out and worked and sweated out to get it out of my system. Um, now, another thing I want to ask you about, though, was like, so when I first started doing this, I ate like a, a tiger. I mean, I just basically said, I'm not going to restrict any calories. I'm going to eat anything I want as long as it's on the eat list. And then I'll just cut back on the moderation list. And I ate a lot. I think I was actually eating more calories, even though I was losing weight. I was eating more calories possibly than I might have been before I went on the, the diet. Over time, I just started eating less and less and less. And pretty much now I get up and I make a big plate of eggs and meat or something like that. And then I eat dinner and it's, you know, very meat-centric and, you know, a little bit here and there. But my my appetite seems very suppressed. In the beginning, there were places where I had these, like, cravings. But eventually, even that waned off. Are you that far along yet or do you still have, you know, I mean, other than when you see it, but like where you're just sitting there going, man, I need to... I need to eat something, or have you got into that, like, appetite suppression level yet with it? Uh, I think it depends on my activity during the day and just, like, maybe a little bit of a mental-type situation, too. Sometimes if I'm bored, I get in, I, I feel like I need to eat. That's just your mind triggering you, but um, for the most part, I don't, I don't feel like I require as much food as I used to when I was eating just the standard diet. Mm-hmm. Um, but on days where I have like a really high expenditure, like um, when I want to go exercise and things like that, I do tend to eat more food just to you know sustain my energy levels. But in general, I don't 
I don't require as much food as I used to 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 perform. Did, did you, know, you exercise a lot during this period of time, or do you do it just like kind of like sporadically? I mean, how much role do you feel exercise played in your weight loss versus just the eating regimen? Well, when I started the paleo, I also, you know, would look into the, the correct form of exercise that went along with it. And it was all the intermittent or the interval training. And so I was like, well, this is great. I don't want to spend an hour at the gym anyway. So I'm going to, you know, get on YouTube and find some videos and do those. And I, and that is what I did. I probably only work out three days a week. Um, because I work the other three days and I've worn a pedometer and I tend to walk about four to five miles a day at work. Mm. So, um, I get, I get plenty of exercise. I feel like, I feel like if I maybe exercise more or ate a little bit less, I'd, I'd be leaner, but, um, I don't feel like I exercise to the point of, you know, exhaustion when I started the diet. I, I think that the first couple weeks I, you know, realized it was going to be a pretty big change for me. So I focused on that before I introduced, you know, the exercising and things of that nature into it. Um, and then I have slowly built myself up and I, I try to exercise about three, maybe four days a week, but it's usually never more than a half hour to 45 minutes. Okay. Um, would you, would you describe a typical meal? I mean, a lot of people think that like, okay, so you're paleo. So all you eat is bacon and beef, you know, um, (laughs) And I'm also, I'm kind of like, ah, I eat a lot of bacon and beef. I don't have a problem with it. But there's tremendous variety. So what would you describe as maybe just a couple typical meals that you're eating now? Well, I eat eggs every morning. I eat, you know, two to three eggs every morning. But um, paleo is really easy for me because I enjoy, you know, vegetables. So I will, you know, simmer up asparagus and mushrooms and onions and put those with my eggs. Um, at lunch or at work, I typically end up having a salad with usually either like a, a tuna fish or um, chicken. And dinner, sometimes I go light and sometimes I don't. Um, workout days, I usually end up with sweet potatoes and um, some sort of meat, whether it's like a sirloin or chicken. I try not to eat too much chicken because I can just get, people will just get so bored with the chicken. It's really easy to do. Um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, I do, I do, you know, indulge in the bacon and the turkey bacon um, every now and then. I try to get, you know, the um, the uncured bacon as much as possible because of the nitrates and nitrites that aren't, you know, in it. Um, one thing I missed tremendously from breakfast food is ghetto. We have ghetto around here. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like the best breakfast uh, meat ever. And, you know, it's got oats and all kinds of just the leftover stuff from whatever animal they can find pretty much. And it, it tastes amazing, but I haven't had it since I started What's paleo. What's it called? Is that Scrapple or what? <laughs> it's called Geta. It's, um, no, I don't know that one. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's really good. And I don't, I'm afraid to try it now because it's like a greasy mess. And I'm, you know, I think that it would just tear me up, but I'm not afraid um, of the grease, but you said, I think you said that it's mixed with oats. Yeah. It's still, it's yeah, not yeah, cut oats. like eat yeah. bread. Yeah. You get rid of those oats and I might be down with it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. What about like, you're a mom, right? So you've got kids. So right. are there any challenges with like you changing your diet and trying to change theirs or not trying to change theirs or, you know, along those lines? Well, luckily, my youngest is only six months, so he's a fresh, you know, palate. So I've been introducing foods in, you know, the normal way with the, you know, um, the baby foods, like pureeing foods and stuff for him. Or just I've even give, recently just given him a slice of cucumber with all the seeds out of it, and he loves it. So sure. with him, it's going to be a lot easier. My sure. oldest son... Um, he was, he's not very picky to begin with. He'll eat fruits and vegetables. He'll try vegetables. Um, and then I have a very, very, very picky stepdaughter. So it's really difficult on that end to, to switch them around completely. So basically what I did for them was I've kind of started leaning towards, um, the gluten free aspect of it mm-hmm. and trying my hardest to give them, you know, meat and, 
um, you know, eggs, things that I know that they'll like, but I know that they're not going to sit and eat a salad because they're four and they're just not used to that yet. Yeah. So, you know, taking, you know, I just kind of pick my battles and, you know, they <laughs> like macaroni and cheese. So I have found, you know, gluten-free organic macaroni and cheese. And, you know, we've really cut back on how much they eat of that. Um, you know, it used to be all the time. Yeah. And, um, cause it's just, you know, it's easy and that's what we do. And I've really, and I've changed the hot dogs that they eat. I don't buy the Oscar Mayer stuff anymore cause I looked on the back of it and I just couldn't believe the ingredients when I was, you know, looking for other like quick foods that I could eat. So we've switched to, um, you know, um, a more organic hot dog and things like that just because if they went paleo, I don't think that they would ever really eat at all. Um, because, you know, the choices for a, a child that hasn't really developed their palate yet and don't really want to try new things that look yeah. weird to them, it's just yeah. more difficult. You See, know, now, I, it's them. easy for me because my son's 23 and I've got to get out of jail free card at this point. But my philosophy has always been when you get hungry, you'll eat. Right. Um, oh, I yeah. I doing paleo when he was seven and picky. So it's easy for me to say. But I'm, right. I'm just a couple things there I'm really glad to hear you bring up. Number one is the macaroni and cheese. I know people that are on great nutritional diets, but they've got kids and they're doing what you said. They don't want to fight. And they're giving their kids crap like Kraft macaroni and cheese, which is like one of the worst things you could do. And there are gluten-free macaroni products. And if you can boil noodles and melt cheese, is that an ideal food? No. Is it a thousand times better then that orange crap powder that craft pushes like a drug. Yes. And it's so easy to do it. If you're going to give them that, you know, maybe chop some good quality, you know, ham up, you know, and, and put that in their mac and cheese and get them eating some meat with that. And, you know, maybe try to make the portions of the noodles smaller and stuff. It is hard. Sorry. But I, yeah, I, I I can't say we never gave my kid, you know, Hamburger Helper, which is garbage when he was little. But I was eating that, too, back then. It what, what gets me is when people totally make the swing and make, like, they go, well, my kids have to have whatever they'll eat. And, and they make no effort. It drives me nuts. Yeah, I, you know, I struggle with that on a daily basis just because it is really difficult to, to say to a four-year-old, you know, these are really bad for you but you can have them. <laughs> so, you know, I try my hardest. We've switched to almond milk in the house, and I let them have, you know, chocolate almond milk because, you know, they're kids. They, yeah. You know, they can afford to have stuff like that. And that that part of it hasn't been as difficult as I thought it was because, you know, they were so used to drinking whole milk, and then I switched them to chocolate milk, kind of like standing next to them like, you know, well, just try this. It's really good, and just waiting for them to be like, no, I don't like it, and they actually took to it really well. So, yeah. you know, I, I won with that aspect, but <laughs> the other, you know, the other things, you know, it, it is just, it's a, it's a transition and I can't expect them to be, you know, oh yes, this is so bad for me. I'm never going to eat it. So I, I give them as much, you know, of what I eat as possible. And, you know, I'm not too much of a, like, you know, I stay away from the white potatoes just because I don't really feel that they're very nutrient, you know, it's just too much of a simple carb for me, but if they if I if they want to have mashed potatoes and you know they can have mashed potatoes, I'd prefer them to be sweet potatoes. But you know, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's it's well, difficult when you have a family, especially like my husband isn't really a hundred like he's not very paleo either. That's so tough. I try really hard to get him to eat you know as paleo as possible. And I've, I've split, you know, he's a big noodle, a big noodle person. He loves, mm -hmm. um, you know, spaghetti and stuff like that. So I've switched to the gluten-free, you know, organic pastas in hopes that, you know, those little changes are so much better than what he used to eat. Well, what the whole entire family used to eat, you know. And I think there's a, there's a middle ground, right? That like not everybody's going to get on board right away. It's taken my wife like two and a half years. My wife is the typical woman. She's been on and off of, what I call bullshit dieting for her entire life. And it's never done her any good. You might lose a pound or two here, you gain back an extra pound when you gain it back. And slowly over the years, you put on 20, 30 pounds that were never there before, even though you've been dieting your whole life. And I went on this, and you know that can't be right, it can't be true, you just ate a pound of bacon, how is this possible? And then the weight just falls off and falls off 
and falls off over the years, you know. And she starts saying stuff to me like, you know, we need to take some of your pictures down uh, from online because, like, that doesn't even look like you and you're, you're getting a bad image of being this big fat guy because these pictures from four years ago, you know, you weigh 283 pounds. And I'm like, you know what, I'm leaving those pictures there because that's proof that I used to be fat. And I, you know, people call me fat once in a while, hecklers and stuff. I'm like, you know, fat is, fat is infinitely curable. Um, but ignorance is terminal. But anyway, so it took like two and a half years of, you know, me never having one of my, you know, huff and puff episodes, she used to call it, when I'd get all angry and irritable because we were out and I forgot to eat or something like that. And, and losing weight and feeling better and having all this energy. And finally one day she's like, okay, fine. I'm on board. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. And what was cool is I was able to go, you know what? You're, you're, you're 80% there because I'm the one that cooks all the time. So are you the one that usually cooks? You know, I do my own meal prep for the nights that I have to work the next day because uh-huh. um, I, commute, I commute about an hour to work. So I always make my meals the night before. But my husband is a really good cook, and so I always, uh. leave, the, I always leave the stuff to him, like the steaks and everything. I would never go grill a steak because I would just I would murder it. <laughs> it would be terrible. But, you know, um, so certain things he cooks, and I'm the one that steams the vegetables and stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of 50-50 in our house. Um but he, you know, he's also a picky person. So for him to mm. pick up a fruit or a certain type of vegetable is really difficult for him. He's got the meat and the eggs part down, you yeah. know, and he's he's done really good at trying to stay away from the breads and the crackers and things of that nature just because I'm the one that grocery shops. There you go. So I, yeah, so I don't buy that stuff anymore, and he's always telling me, like, you need to buy a me food, you know, to quit shopping for yourself. And I'm like, well, you know, you know, it's just – this is what how I eat, so I tend to yeah. forget to buy foods for him because it's not how I eat anymore. So yeah, and that's that's our our thing's always been even before paleo with certain junk foods. If it's not here, we can't eat it, and we just didn't bring it in the house. And you know, I and it, it, I, it does. The reason I even go into this is because this is c- common most of the time, whether it's preparedness or gardening or permaculture or paleo, doesn't matter what. It's very seldom that two spouses make a lifestyle shift at the same time. And there's always that push-and-pull dynamic. And on one hand, you love your your spouse or you wouldn't be married, and you want what's best for them. But on the other hand, you can't be, like, overly evangelistic or they'll never move toward your your side. That You want to polarize somebody, just keep telling them how wrong they are or forcing it on them. Yeah, definitely, because it just doesn't work like that. It's so much easier to just set the example and hope that, you know, and answer questions, you know, when they have it. And that's just for anybody, you know, that has that's interested in it because, you know, I don't I don't try to preach it too much at work, you know, just because for a room full of nurses, they eat terribly and, it's, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I know I'm going to make some people angry at, at me when I say this, but I've been to a lot of medical offices in my life, mainly because my wife was a nurse for over 20 years. And there are a lot of fat nurses, RNs, LVNs, and MAs. I mean, I'd say that more than half are clinically obese. And that might just be a reflection of society because probably – more than half of America today is obese. It's a systemic nationwide problem. But you would think people who have dedicated their life to health on some level would at least do better than the national average. And I don't see it. I see a lot of obesity in the medical industry. And, you know, it's, it's, then it's difficult, right, for a doctor or a nurse who's obese to tell a, a patient who's struggling with cholesterol or diabetes, your problem is you need to lose weight. Because what credibility do you have? Right. I, you know, I don't know if it's, it's probably just the fact that that's how most people eat. It's just the norm to eat the way that the standard American diet has it set up. And then also, you know, just the, just the pace of the day. Sometimes you don't get to sit down and eat your, you know, meal. And, and the fact that, I do a lot of, of prep, food prep, so that I don't have, to, I don't go to the cafeteria and I don't mm. get bombarded with all of those kinds of foods. So, yeah, 
you know, a lot of them are, a lot of us are, you know, overweight and not healthy and we're sitting there trying to get people healthy and it's kind of like the nurse that tells you to stop smoking who you see outside smoking, you know. Or you can just smell it in their, in their scrub. Yeah. Smell smoke and they're like, really? Seriously? Yeah. Right. Um, I do think the cafeteria thing in the medical industry with a lot of people working in hospitals and clinics has a lot to do with it because it's so easy. It's right there. You don't even have to leave. And most of the food in those environments is, is you know, it's, it's grown up version of, you know, high school cafeteria food and it's generally high in carbs and, uh, really high in fat. And then there's a, a mentality that I don't get. So, for instance, when we really started doing this, um, and we always did a lot of meat anyway, and I might cook a bunch of steak for dinner, and then there might be a pretty good-sized chunk of steak left over. So Dorothy might take that and some green beans and some carrots and a Tupperware thing in to work with her at the hospital. And then one of you know her fellow nurses would go down to the cafeteria and pay like five dollars for like a, a, a potato with a with a big slather of chili on it and some cheese and bring it upstairs and eat it and turn over to her and say boy you guys must be doing really good if you can eat a piece of steak like that now that leftover piece of steak was probably two dollars and fifty cents worth of steak with a dollar's worth of you know vegetables with it or less because we've grown them ourselves so she's eating a much better, higher quality lunch, but the attitude was, boy, it's expensive to eat that way. And I think that that's part of the problem, too. People think that eating this conventional way is inexpensive, and yeah, when you look at the price of a couple pounds of beef, it seems that way, but when, you know, if you're not, everybody's not eating a pound of beef, it's really not expensive. It's more expensive in some ways, but... I think in certain instances, like if you properly use leftovers and like you do a lot of meal prep, you said, so planning properly, it can actually save money, maybe not over cooking your own potato, but certainly over buying one in a cafeteria or a restaurant. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I don't understand. I, a lot of people have said that, you know, if, you're, if you buy organic food, you know, they're always so much more expensive or, you know, and I think that that's just a lot of education because there are some foods that are that are okay to buy conventional if you're, you know, having a rough time with the money and you can't go organic. Um, and leftovers is a huge thing. I mean, we throw out so much food every day when really if you just put it into a container and took it to work or wherever you're going the next day, you would save money and you wouldn't be so wasteful, you know, as well. You know, Walmart, for instance, has like this, what I call the middle ground chicken, right? So a good uh, free-range organic chicken, four-pound, five-pound bird is going to run you 15, 16 bucks. That's a lot of money for a chicken. A right. cheap, big, fat, six-and-a-half-pound Purdue, you know, soaked in its own excrement waste when it was processed chicken will cost you $4.50. The middle ground chicken is a chicken that's more like that four and a half pound free range bird. It's, I can't remember the name of it. Again, people get on me for Walmart, but you know, whoever provides the good product gets the business. It's a, they call it a naturally grown chicken, which I don't always buy into, but all you have to do is open a Tyson or a Purdue chicken and open one of those and smell it. And you immediately know the quality's better because it doesn't stink. That chicken, if you buy a couple of those, cut it up, use the pieces, and do a little bit of the work yourself, will cost you less money than buying cut-up pieces of Purdue if you'll take that effort. But there's this like this societal thing with young people today. My son's girlfriend came over to the house. I made ribs. She said, yeah, I usually don't eat meat on a bone. And it was like she was disgusted because the meat was on the bone. To be fair, she ate it, but, like, so people won't do that little bit of extra work, and they're somehow, like, I don't know, they think, like, their meat it was, like, created in a laboratory or something, like it never was on a bone. I, I don't understand that dynamic either with people today. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I would, I, and also with the whole chicken thing, some people are just, intimidated by it they don't know what to do with the extra stuff they know you know somewhere in there is a chicken breast that they can cut or the legs they know they can pull the legs off and those are you know those are obvious chicken you know the drums or whatever but yeah. i think some people are just nervous like what to do with everything else you know that's a great point maybe one day i should go out and get a few whole chickens and do a few youtube videos on using them because i some stuff like that never occurs to me 
You know, I mean, yeah. I was probably 22 years old in the Army talking to some guy about, you know, butchering a deer before I realized that not everybody knew how to butcher a deer. I mean, where I grew up, you know, you were, you got your first hunting license at 12 and you, you were probably already, you know, butchering deer with dad before you even had a hunting license. And everybody knew how to butcher a deer. Every, every grandmother knew how to take a chicken and pluck it and burn the hair. I mean, there was just so many things that, like when I got out of a rural community that I thought everybody knew and they don't. And that's something I really have not considered that people just wouldn't even know what to do. Um, you know, and I think one of the best things in the world we can do in the paleo world is making stocks with leftovers and bones and things like that. And I mean, you know, what do you do with the leftovers? If you, if I even have done things like this, like I'll take chicken and I'll cut it up, and I'll have parts that maybe aren't really that great for use, like wingtips or backs. And I don't have enough really to make a big pot of stock, so I'll freeze it. And after two or three chickens, you end up with this big pile, and then you make soup and stock out of that. And I, I think that maybe that's part of, you know, if we want to be good stewards of this lifestyle, some of the things maybe we do need to do is just educate people, here's how easy this is. Because it's, it's not hard. Give me a knife and a cutting board and a chicken, and I'll have it in every set of parts you want in, you know, five minutes or less. And I think a lot of people just don't think about the fact that you can use other things because mm. we're just so used to going to the store and buying chicken breasts all nicely packaged that we forget that it came from an actual whole bird and there are <laughs> lots of pieces to that bird and there's lots of things to do with it. Oh, you're going to love this. So I just got this thing recently that went out on Twitter that somebody picked up. There's this girl, her name was like Lindsay or something like that, and somewhere in Arizona or California that was traumatized in her own words because she went to um, a grocery store, I don't know if it was Albertsons or whatever it was, and there was a, a package of chicken breasts, and somehow a foot ended up in the package of chicken breasts. And she went on this complete, like, multi-Twitter rant about the, 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 the chicken foot, and, like, apparently she left and tweeted to the store, which obviously is not sitting there monitoring Twitter, and came back like an hour later and was enraged that the foot was still in this pack. You know, it was like, where do you, and you just, you know, you realize at that point that this person probably believes that chicken breasts and chicken feet come from different places, that they don't actually come from the same creature. I actually saw that and read about that, and I thought it was hilarious because I was because a lot of people said, "Oh, sweet, you know, that's a bonus. You know, you've got yeah. an extra in there." <laughs> and some people were like, well, "Where did you? What did you think that they walked around on? They just magically floated and stuff like that." I thought reading the comments to that was hilarious because <laughs> she legitimately freaked out over nothing. I mean, yeah. it was probably all processed the same way the chicken breasts were processed. Sure so it wasn't it was. like it was any less more, you know, less sterile or clean or whatever, but. I thought it was, I found it very funny. We used to have a butcher that would come around to our house and sell us things like beef and chicken and ham and stuff like that. Kind of almost like a mobile milkman, but they, they brought meat. And my grandma used to go, I don't like him. And I'm like, well, you deal with him all the time. Why do you do? Well, he's okay, but I don't like him. I'm like, well, what's the big problem? When you buy a chicken from him, you don't get the feet. Oh. And I'm a little kid. I'm like, what do you want with the feet? And we didn't really eat chicken feet. She didn't either. She's like, you can't make good chicken soup without the feet. She she was convinced, and she's probably right, that there was something in the foot that really kind of put the broth over the top and that the feet should come with the chicken. So one day I asked her, I said, well, you ask him if he'll, if he'll give you the foot. And he, like the next time he came, he gave her like this huge bag of feet because all he was doing with them was pitching them. So she thought she was being ripped off, and he was giving customers what he thought they wanted. I will say I've never had chicken feet or anything like that, and I've never actually been like, oh, let me go buy some feet. But, you know, to each of them, I guess. I, you yeah. know, I wouldn't be against yeah. it. I wouldn't be against it. I would be a little like, you know, if I saw it in the store, I'd be like, that's different. You know, it might not be yeah. different for like a whole food store or something, but, it, you know, it is different, I guess, for most people that don't realize that chicken have feet, obviously. Yeah, I guess <laughs> it flows magically, like you were saying. Recently, I, I I processed six of my own birds, and what I end up doing with them is I clean them up, and I, I use them as dog treats, um, so the dogs like them. But oh, kind of – go ahead. I thought you were saying something. Anyway, um, just kind of as we get toward wrapping up here, um, what would be your biggest tips for people that are new to paleo to being able to stick to it? 
Um, I would say meal prep is definitely very important. Um, having a really good grocery list and just staying away from the parts of the, usually the middle of the grocery store where everything's on shelves. Um, you know, stay around the perimeter with your meats and your, you know, your eggs and your fruits and vegetables. Um, and just be ready to answer lots of questions because people are going to think you're just so different. It's, it's, I guess, so unconventional for people to eat just, you know, whole foods um, that a lot of people are skeptical. And, you know, I've had people just say, just, you know, giving you little digs about, you know, oh, well, is that paleo and things like that. Um, I think that that's kind of a difficult thing to navigate when everybody's scrutinizing every single thing that you eat because when you're eating, when you're the different person, they're always, people are always going to do that. Um, and just, you know, when you're having a, a rough day, you know, because there's times I know that I've gone home and just wanted to devour food, um, you know, just having the right snacks available or, you know, somebody at home or, you know, just a distraction that keeps you from doing that. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely the case. And uh, yeah, final thought here: if you uh, if, for people out there that have considered this for a long time and and yet just kind of tried to convince themselves that it's not going to work or it can't be that simple, uh, what what are your thoughts for people considering trying paleo? I definitely think everybody should give the whole thirty um, a try. You know, it's not going to be easy, but it'll get give you results. And I think that um, the hardest. I think the biggest group for people that have that have the hardest time with it is women, because we're just so ingrained with, you know, you got to eat less and 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 do more exercise in order to lose weight, and that's just not the case. Because I eat plenty of food. I'm always I'm always fed. I never feel starved, and um, I definitely think that you know when if you set your mind to it, you can you can get through it as long as you have you know a support system within yourself, you know, to do it. Awesome. Well, hey, Ashley, I appreciate you being with us today. All right. Thank you. All right, folks, and with that, this has been Jack Spearco today along with Ashley, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Seeing our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. Like there's nothing I can do It's the price we pay, I guess And we follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way Shiny